This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio. A suburban Washington couple in a battle over how they raise their children has signed a promise to not leave those children unattended. In Tulsa, a man was shot and killed by a reserve deputy who allegedly confused his gun for his taser. In Illinois, a motorist was trying to flee a traffic stop and was shot through the windshield. And in California, local news crews capturing deputies repeatedly punching and kicking the suspect. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. Citizens, you will elect me. I will be your leader. Good morning, it's 9.05 on News Radio 1067. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River, and an everyday American just like you. You know, today's today's entire show is dedicated, it's from my heart, it's from me to you, and it's dedicated to every everyday American in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Southeast. Americans have fought their way back from tough economic That's times. Right. But the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. Yes, we do. Everyday Americans need a champion. And when I think of a champion of everyday, you know, people like you and me, regular lives, I think of Hillary Rodham Clinton. I Everyday America. I thought it was fascinating. Yesterday, while the uh, announcement was going on, by the way, we have an exclusive cut. We have the original Hillary Rodham Clinton campaign launch. They went back and edited it. Now, that was one of the things that um, uh, Saturday Night Live referenced is, you know, redoing it. They actually had to do it a couple of times. Do you have that audio we found of the first Hillary Clinton announcement? We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Yeah, I thought Hillary 2016 resistance is futile is probably the best of... We did the Hillary 2016 bumper stickers on Friday. And I think resistance is futile is probably the best. She ended up moving a little bit away from that towards the everyday Americans. And that's one of the questions that I have for you. Politicians can say whatever they want. Loudmouth blowhards like me, we can say whatever we want. But what matters is what you think. When you see Hillary Rodham Clinton, do you see an everyday American just like you? And I'm not trying to be, this isn't a gotcha thing or a persnickety thing. There's some emails where they're, what does she mean everyday American? What, like every other day American? Like I'm only American on alternate weekends? No, no, you know what she means. She means normal people. And as you know, my radio show is dedicated to normal people because while I'm not one myself, I admire you tremendously. And I, I'd love for you to have a champion. So do you think of Hillary Clinton? So it's, what matters is what you think at 844-404-1067. Do you see Hillary Clinton as an everyday American? 
This weekend was the Graham family reunion. They have it every year over uh, near uh, Chapin, South Carolina. I They've done it 15 years in a row. This is my first one. Because I've always lived off in a way, so I got to go and got to see all my family. got to see my Aunt Lib and my Aunt Celie and everybody. It was terrific. Lots of collards, lots of chicken bog. It was just great. But a very uh, mixed group of people politically. Some diehard yellow dog Democrats, some total right-wing nut jobs. A lot of people in the middle, just, just you know, whatever. And people barely know who. I, I, one of my nieces, I swear, she thought Hillary was president already. Um. And I love what, what I love right now is Soccer Boy looking at me going, what, she's not? Not yet, Soccer Boy, hang on. Because they don't know. They're clueless 20-something morons or whatever. There's, you know, this, as long as they can, you know, hit, hit the bong and, you know, download music and porn, they'll be fine. Uh, and when the name, this was interesting to me. In a family where most of the seniors in the family, kind of the, you know, the leaders of the family are women, there was almost universal... Not no interest in Hillary. And what was interesting is it, it wasn't I don't want to vote for Hillary because I hate her or it wasn't I don't want to vote for Hillary because, you know, she lied about this. She lied about, you know, the emails. She's, you know, the horrible time she was in the White House before because she's a crook. It was just really it was a gag reflex of just, ugh, ugh. No, not – you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like the reaction that so many Republicans have to Jeb Bush, only more so. You know, Jeb causes you to get that kind of shifty wave of nausea that you get when you first step on a boat. Hillary sends you to the railings to barf up last Thursday's lunch. I mean, it's, but it's the same kind of – oh, no. And so Hillary's answer is to not campaign as Hillary, but rather to let other people campaign – uh, we actually do have the final, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, the, uh, well, actually, I take it back. We, we played you that. We'll play it one more time, the uh, Hillary, we need a new champion thing. Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Everyday Americans need a champion, mm -hmm. and I want to be that champion. She doesn't appear in her own announcement video until almost halfway through. She only says about, like, 20 words in her own announcement. The rest of the video is... Uh, people, uh, single mom, uh, black couple, gay couple, uh, Hispanic couple, people, you know, all talking about Hillary. It's other people talking about Hillary. Hillary just drove to Iowa without the press because the press would involve her talking to the press. The slogan that appeared on Twitter yesterday, and I was just so fascinated by it, was the hashtag we are Hillary. We are Hillary. In other words, oh, no, no, don't vote. <laughs> Pay no attention to the elderly grandmother who's been in American politics for 25 years now and who's been through a gazillion scandals and who's, no, 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 no don't forget her. Forget. We are Hillary. You're not voting for Hillary. You're voting for yourself. Because you are. We are. We are. Yeah, yeah, we all are. Who? And, and I love this idea. That when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you see Hillary. Now, let me stop right there, and you can just end your mean-spirited comments. We don't people who are attacking Hillary because she has, you know, had one too many Snickers bars. That's just mean. That has nothing to do with being president. People who attack her for you know being older 
look, lots of old people run for president. People who attack her for, you know, how she looks. What, Rand Paul? Stunning guy? I mean, come on. Those cheap juvenile attacks, do I enjoy them? Yes. But they don't, that's beside the point. They don't help resolve anything. They certainly don't help Republicans win. Forget that. The question is, are you Hillary? Do you agree that Hillary represents you? And we'll roll through some of the We Are Hillary's for you coming up at 844-404-1067 and ask you if the, if you agree that she represents kind of you, that you, you, her, we're all in this together. Also want to know what you think. I mean, have you talked, have you talked to people about Hillary's announcement, like I do with my family this weekend, what their reaction was. We're also going to hear from some experts later in the show. And yes, we're going to update that story I've been telling you about for more than a month. The Maryland couple who let their kids walk to the park. Kids were snatched, kidnapped by the police, hidden from the parents by government goons, and only returned to them after hours of parental frantic panic. And people are blaming the parents for the behavior of the cops and the government. I have no idea why. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. announcing her presidential campaign with a video of middle-class Americans. I'm getting ready to do something, too. I'm running for president. Clinton outlined her campaign message, a populist, family-based rationale for her candidacy. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. Her announcement quite different than her 2007 pitch. I'm not just starting a campaign, though. I'm beginning a conversation. I'm hitting the road to earn your vote. When she said hitting the road, she was being literal. In Pennsylvania, she stopped at a gas station. Clinton is on her way to Iowa. She lost big in 2008. Although we weren't able to shatter that highest, hardest glass ceiling this time, thanks to you, it's got about 18 million cracks in it. Republicans want to stop her from shattering that ceiling in 2016. And there it is. There is the entire Hillary Clinton campaign in a nutshell. She wants to break that glass ceiling and Republicans want to stop the glass ceiling, ceiling from being broken. That's right. Republicans are only opposing to Hillary Clinton, opposing Hillary Clinton because she's a woman. That's the only reason. And if it weren't for the fact that she's a woman, they would be happily supporting her too. I just, it's going to be a long 18 months, a long 18 months of listening to every single criticism of Mrs. Bill Clinton's record being called sexism. It's already started. I've already been getting pounded. I've already been. I've been called a misogynist and a sexist about 5,000 times already just since Thursday. And all I'm doing is asking questions. How did Mrs. Bill Clinton become the everyday American? How did she become, as the tweet says, uh, we are Hillary? And so that's what I'm asking you at 844-404-1067. When you think of Hillary Clinton, do you think of someone who's like you or who understands you or, you know, represents you or will take care of you? 
1067. Why are we Hillary? We are Hillary because we're all multimillionaires who can't afford a mortgage. That's why we are Hillary. Is that it? Because we all made hundreds of thousands of dollars off the stock market with nothing but our lunch money and a copy of the Wall Street Journal? Is that why? I mean, I just, there are a lot of things that you can say about Mrs. Bill Clinton that are true. She's obviously smart. There are a lot of things. She's obviously uh, very determined. She's very ambitious. She works hard for her ambitions. And if you want someone who lives, breathes, and dies by politics, she absolutely is that person. But the idea that <laughs> Mrs. Bill Clinton is just your little lady down the street, just, oh, hello, we're just like you. I'm, I, you got to be kidding me. This, this, the life that she has chosen, and there's nothing wrong with that life, how does it get to be any farther than the life that you and I have? If you, you have no reason to remember, but we came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. Uh, we had no money when we got there, and we struggled to, you know, piece together the resources for mortgages, for houses, for Chelsea's education. You know, it was not easy. I can't tell you the number of times I've struggled for my mortgages for houses. I can't tell how many... Honey, which of our houses will be getting the mortgage on? This, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a multimillionaire who owns at least three homes, who has a $2 billion family foundation, and who has spent your entire life in politics fighting away as a determined, desperate, partisan hack. That's a completely reasonable way to spend your life. But to do that and then to turn to you, to us, and say, I'm just... Just like you is uh no i you know, we are all hillary because we all make our major life decisions at oscar de la renta's beach house in the dominican which is according to the associated press where she was she was struggling trying to decide do i really want to run i'm not sure i want to run i you know i'm just so happy being a grandmother and staying at home i just i don't want to that's what team hillary Claims, and that it wasn't until she was at Oscar de la Renta's multi-million dollar beachfront estate in the Dominican Republic that she finally said, you know, looking around at average people like us, who's going to st stand up for us? Who's going to stand up for the average, typical, private jet, beach house, million dollar mansion family types if I don't? And so Hillary Clinton, once again, this is according to the Associated Press, she's doing us a favor by running for president. She also is doing the Democratic Party a favor. I look around and I don't see anyone else who's a strong candidate. And I just, my party needs me. They just, I, 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 I can't let them down. I don't really want to run, says Hillary, but my party needs me. Does anybody believe that? Anybody? At 844-404-1067. Or do you agree with me that the um, uh, announcement of Hillary's campaign sounded a lot more like it did on Saturday Night Live? That actually, Saturday Night Live is more accurate than the Associated Press. Now, since we're announcing your candidacy via social media, we thought it would be fun if you actually filmed the video yourself on your own phone. 
That way it seems more personal and intimate. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Personal and intimate, yes. Citizens, you will elect me. I will be your leader. Okay, great. Let's, let's stop there. No? Okay. Um, okay. Ma'am, I, I think you may be coming off as just a little hard. Oh, shoot. What part? What part? Um, well, sort of all of it. Uh -huh. uh, this time, maybe focus on all that you've done for women's rights. Oh, okay. I am running because I want to be a voice for women everywhere. Did someone say women everywhere? Well, let's just wrap it up. We'll get to Bill. We'll get to Bill a little bit later. That's another issue, but um, it's another fun issue. Uh, but that's to me. I find the Saturday Night Live version of "I am going to run, and there's nothing you can do to stop me." Isn't that the Hillary Clinton we've known for all of our adult lives? It just it frustrates me when politicians stand up and expect us. Well, I've I've rebranded. So you have to forget everything I've done since 1992. I wasn't here. doesn't matter. That's old news. Don't talk about it. I'm sorry. Your character is what you've done since 1992. This would be like your husband showing up and saying, I haven't cheated on you in three days, honey. Therefore, I'm a you know, perfect husband, and you're not allowed to bring up anything I did in the past. No, I'm sorry. We all know who Mrs. Bill Clinton is. The question is, do we want her to be president of the United States? And the idea that this has nothing to do with her, it's all about us, because we are, Hillary, I find fascinating. Elizabeth, you are on the air with Michael Graham. Good morning. As a Republican, I think it's wonderful that she's running. Really? Be yes, because that means that more than likely we're going to end up with a Republican in office. I would say that uh, it's hard to see... Uh, a bunch of Americans coming together to elect Hillary Clinton in 19, in 2016. I agree with that. I, w I have a question for you, Elizabeth. What about the fact that it's your duty to vote for her because you're a woman? It's my duty to vote to the best interest of my country and to my country. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. We have, my mic must be working. I got the memo. It is your duty as a person with ovaries to vote the ovaries. And if you don't, that, you're, a, you're a self-loathing, anti-feminist uh, cave girl. Well, then call me a, a self-loathing <laughs> anti-feminist cave girl because I'm going to vote in a way that makes my country a better place and a progressive place and somewhere where I want my children to grow up. I'm sorry. That's Just because... If, if you don't vote the ovaries, it's not going to happen. That's what I've been told 100%. Vote the ovaries. 844-404-1067. I'm Michael Graham. We came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. Some experts estimate that she could be raking in nearly $250,000 per speech. We struggled to, you know, piece together the resources for mortgages for houses. The Clinton's assets were worth about $5.2 million to $25.5 million. We had to pay off all our debts, which was, you know, you had to make double the money because of, obviously, taxes. As Secretary of State, Ms. Clinton earned a salary of $186,600 a year. But that's just a drop in the bucket compared to the $14 million advance she was paid for her latest book, Hard Choices. It's 936. 
am. Michael Graham. When I think everyday people, I think Mrs. Bill Clinton. Don't you? 844-404-1067. And here's the question that I've been asked. Michael, what's scarier that Hilly would actually go out and say straight up without apology, without any hesitation, hey, you, me, we're all the same here. Fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. Is it scarier that she would say that or that people would believe it? That's the part that just uh, amazes me, is how, uh, I mean, the Saturday Night Live you know, nailed Hillary, who she is. To anybody who has any information, I don't mean the political geek. I don't mean you watch the Sunday shows. I don't mean your regular voter. If you're just a person who's been alive, you know, old, so that you're old enough to vote, that's who Hillary is. And the idea that people go, oh, no, I don't know. That's not true. No, no, no. Of, of course, this, she is a self-serving, money-grabbing hardcore, partisan, democratic, lifelong political hack. That's who she is. She's also, you know, a smart woman and, uh, you know, she cares about her family or at least her daughter. You know, there's a lot of other positive things you can say about her, but that's who she is. And this this idea that, oh, no, 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 that's that's that's, that's ridiculous. That's just a negative attacks and, oh, you Republicans are right-wing nutjobs, you hate her. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how she gets past that. I, I mean, I take it back. I don't know how anyone can deny that. And when I watch people doing it, when I watch them saying, oh, that's just not, that's that's irrelevant. Who cares? That's nothing. But look at her campaign. Look, she had a video. Look how sweet she looked in the video. What's that got to do with anything? This is, <laughs> it really is. If you're a fan of The Simpsons, do you remember when Mr. Burns ran for, was it mayor or governor? I forget. And... The, the whole the, the how they mocked the well we'll take this video we'll make these ads or whatever and have you kissing babies and you just watch it and the whole joke the whole inside joke was that this is of course a pile of crap everybody knows who Mr. Burns is Mr. Burns is the <laughs> greedy heartless guy who runs the local not particularly safe nuclear facility Hillary Clinton is exactly who she seems to be and who she's proven herself to be over and over and over and over again. A wildly ambitious woman who will lie anytime it helps, who will suddenly discover subpoenaed documents years after they're needed, who will look the cameras in the eye and trash women who she knows were sleeping with her husband. She knew they were. No, no one disputes that anymore. She knew at the time, and yet she'll still go on television and trash the women. She'll, so she'll attack the victims of sexual assault, and she'll attack the victims of sexual harassment because she has. This isn't speculation. And it, well, but she made a nice video, and well, she's driving to Iowa. Isn't that sweet? She's just getting in the minivan and driving to Iowa. First of all, she doesn't have a driver's license. She's already admitted that she hasn't driven a car more than 20 years. She's not driving that. And can you imagine what it would be like to be stuck on I-70 behind Granny Hillary? Who hasn't driven in 20 years up there? She's in the left lane of the interstate going 50. She's had her blinker on for 39 miles. What are these kids doing rushing past me? These t- Texting on one hand and tweeting on the other with the phones that she can't operate. That's my nightmare is to be stuck in traffic behind Hillary Clinton driving. Please, Hillary, don't do, do the rest of the world a favor. Keep not driving. We don't. 
we don't need another elderly lady in an overly large car who's uncomfortable at interstate speeds on the roadways. That's me, Michael Graham, 844-404-1067. I uh, am always interested in finding somebody who's passionate about electing a candidate. And I haven't heard anyone who's passionate about electing Hillary except for one thing. And Hillary Rosen, a Democratic political activist, is on CNN. She's saying it right now. I'm ex- uh, I'm down with the excitement of electing a woman president in 2016. 18 months to go. That's it. That's the entire Hillary Clinton campaign in one sentence. Mrs. Bill Clinton. You're either voting for her because she's a Mrs. Or you're voting for her because she was married to a uh, popular president. And that's the beginning, middle, and end of the Mrs. Bill Clinton campaign. Charles, you're on the earth. Michael Graham, thanks for the call. Hey, Hillary says she wants to be part of America, middle America. I right. scraped off I scraped off Hillary off the bottom of my shoe this morning when I crossed the sidewalk. If Hillary wants to be a champion for America, I'd like to know why come she wasn't a champion for those soldiers in Benghazi. Where was she then? That's a very good point. And it's interesting that in her campaign announcement, no mention of foreign policy at all even though the only job she's had that you might think would qualify her for being president was Secretary of State. 844-404-1067. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at Noon on News Radio 1067. In Tulsa, a man was shot and killed by a reserve deputy who allegedly confused his gun for his taser. In Illinois, a motorist was trying to flee a traffic stop and was shot through the windshield in the face by a police officer. And in California, I know you've seen this, local news crews capturing deputies, repeatedly punching and kicking a suspect after a three-hour chase. Is this a trend? Are these one-offs? And how do we deal with them? Good morning. It's 9.50. Ah, yeah, Michael Graham coming up at the top of the next hour. Lenore Skenazy on the parents who had their kids snatched from a park by the cops and government because they didn't like the fact that the kids were playing in a park without a grown-up. But first, I want to answer Andrew Cuomo's question. How are we going to deal with the ongoing problem of unarmed citizens being gunned down by police? The answer is going to be we're going to support the police no matter what they do, apparently. At least that's what I'm being told uh, in my Twitter feed, I am M. Graham. And in my email, michael at michaelgram.com. No matter what, we're going to defend them. As I told you when the North Charleston case occurred, if it weren't for the video, uh, you would have uh, so-called small government conservatives. They're really, uh, you know, big government uh, activists defending the cop who shot a guy in the back eight times while he fled. You would have people defending him. I am st- I- I'm stunned. I have to, I- as bad as it is, look, I know that there are a bunch of knee-jerk cop supporters out there whose attitude is, as long as you keep shooting black people, just keep shooting. But I'm just, I- even I am stunned by the reaction of so-called small government conservatives uh, to the last two. You've seen the video, right? The guy who's fleeing the cops on horseback, and the cops catch him, and there's ten cop deputies kicking the snot out of him and there's a helicopter right above so they know they're on videotape and the attitude from these cops is screw you and they just they kick the guy in the groin they kick him in the face there's 10 of them 10 
The guys on the ground. I thought for sure, okay, okay, even you nuts who support the cops in Smyrna, even you nuts who smort the cop in, in the cab, even you nuts who have abandoned all your small government principles so that you can be a big government police dater, even you are going to say, oh, come on, 10 on 1? Nope. Hey, they deserved it. He ran from the cops. I hope they jump up and down on him. Oh, wow. Wow. Then this case, I mean, come on, come on. Uh, the reason I shot the guy who was on the ground being arrested is because I thought I had my taser, but I had my gun. Does anybody, does any NRA-supporting Second Amendment uh, rights are out there like me, anyone believe for one second at 844-404-1067, oh, I'm sorry, I thought I was shooting you with my taser, but it actually turned out it was my Glock. I, I was taser or Glock, taser or Glock, taser or Glock. Are you kidding me? This is the kind of thing that we, I say we, small government conservatives, make fun of anti-gun people. Well, you have to make guns illegal because people can't tell the difference between a gun and a what? But that's that was the police <clears throat> police officer's explanation, and I love how the police department just sent it out. Like, oh yeah, we know what happened. Yeah, he he reached for his gun. He didn't realize that he was holding a taser instead. Does anybody believe that? That um, Eric Harris in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is dead today because the police officer thought he was shooting him with a taser. Now, it is true that the police officer involved was a 73-year-old reserve deputy. So is this the gas and brake thing coming back? And here's the other part. And this is, once again, this is why... It's so frustrating. These topics are so frustrating for me. You want to, the topic to be hero with a blue uniform and a badge out on the cutting edge against an anarchic society defending us, Michael Graham. We would be overrun by rapists and murderers. I, I, I know. I know. I have the same feeling. I want to think of the police that way. But I keep telling you the police are government workers. That's what they are. That's all they are. They're, they're government workers. And some of them are great. Some are not so great. Listen to this guy. Reserve Deputy Robert Charles Bates, a Tulsa insurance company executive who was working undercover Thursday as a member of the Sheriff's Office Violent Crimes Tax Force when he killed an unarmed suspect being arrested because he accidentally shot him with his gun instead of his taser. What the hell is a 73-year-old insurance agent doing acting as a cop, by the way, with full cop powers? What's a 17-year-old doing on the undercover drug task force? Well, Bates, who owned an insurance company, served as the chairman of the re-elect Sheriff Glands Committee. It's not... Uh, we all have a dream in our mind of the square-jawed, blue-uniformed, yes-ma'am, yes-sir guy. And there are plenty of those, but there are plenty of people who are in law enforcement because of politics. Their cousin got him a job. Their uncle got him a job. They're a good, loyal Democrat. They're a good, loyal Republican. Th that's part of the mix, too. That's why you hear me saying all the time, not, you know, them cops. I hate them cops. You're never going to hear me say that because I don't. It's about the government. And you know what I've got in my Twitter timeline? And you know what I'm getting in my email? People defending this guy. He deserved it. Really? 
A guy lying on the ground being arrested deserved to be shot and killed by a cop who then his excuse is, I thought it was my taser. Gee, that sounds so familiar, almost like a police chief lying in bed one night. And I didn't realize because of the pills and the booze that I was firing my block at my ex-wife. I'm so sorry. How did that happen? Gee, is that, doesn't it sound so familiar? It sounds, you know, oh my God. I just, I, I, I hope that we've crossed the line. I hope finally that the Charleston story and the Tulsa story and the deputy story all these things, I'm hoping that they've changed your perception and you're willing to admit it is our job to police the police, not leave it to the Jesse Jacksons of the world. Jack, you're on with Michael Graham. Thanks for the call. Well, you're welcome. And I think you're utterly wrong about the taser incident. Really? Yes, really. Um, I, am, I happen to be a retired professor of psychology. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of research about exactly this kind of thing. Now, first, I want to preface my remarks by saying that I am certainly not a fan of police blasting away at the slightest excuse. And, in fact, I've written about that on, on a little blog that I have. Mm-hmm. But, but, that's but you say that people can, confuse, people can confuse a taser with a Glock pistol. Yes, they can. First of all, the grips of the police taser and, and their service guns are configured very similarly. Second of all, you have to remember that this is a very stressful situation. Third, um, police training is terribly, terribly, terribly inadequate. Mm-hmm. And any police trainer will tell you that. Okay, we're way over time. I guess one last question. What would happen to me as a citizen if I said, oh, I didn't mean to kill Jack. I meant to shoot him with my taser. I accidentally shot him with my gun instead. What would happen to me? What would happen to you is that they would look at the circumstances of that and make an adjudication. Uh, I think what you're looking for is a phrase, under the jail. But thanks for the call, Jack. I appreciate it. Thanks for adding to the conversation. I, uh, coming up, what happened to the Maryland parents who let their kids play at the park? Did the government do the right thing? You tell me. I'm Michael Grant. Ten oh four. Oh yeah, Michael Graham. We told you months ago about a Maryland couple who were dragged into the government enforcement system because they let their ten-year-old son and six-year-old daughter walk down to the neighborhood park. Well, they're back in the news again. Listen to their ten-year-old son describe what happened to him. Well, the policeman said we'll give you a ride home when we are like two blocks away. So we got into the car and then about. Two and a half hours later, after sitting in the car for two and a half hours, he said, okay, I'm going to bring you home. Instead, he brought us here. And um, he was uh, asked if he was ever scared during the course of this. Do you want to keep going out to the playground with your sister? Yeah. Did you see any problem today? Were you scared at all? Besides the policeman pulling up? No. And that is what the position we've reached, where if you are a parent who chooses to let your kids go to a park, if you're a parent who chooses to raise your kids in a way that some of your neighbors don't like, the cops will sweep in, snatch your kids, and the story gets worse from there. I found out about it because I'm a regular visitor of freerangekids.com. 
because I follow Lenore Skenazy on Twitter, and we are delighted to welcome the lovely and talented Lenore back to the show. Why, thank you, Michael. You know, I hadn't heard that clip, so that was great to hear. Thanks. Well, this is the point we've reached. The number one danger for a kid <laughs> in a park is not a perv or snatcher or kidnapper. It's the local cop and DSS agents. Now, tell everybody what happened as far as the parents were concerned. The parents sent the kids to the park as usual. They were supposed right. to be home at 6 o'clock, and then... Uh, yeah, around 6 or 6.30. And, you know, they don't show up. Parents start worrying. They start looking for them frantically. You know, at first not frantically, and then frantically, and they don't know what the heck is going on. And then, oh, I hear the phone ringing. I bet it's Danielle I'm in the background here now. And uh, And finally, they get a call from Child Protective Services saying, we have your children there at the crisis center, because, of course, this has been such a crisis, seeing children playing at the park. And they went there to pick up the kids. And, in fact, then they still had to wait before they got the kids. And the kids had been picked up around 5.30, and they, the parent or 5, and the parents got them at 10.30. And so that's five and a half hours in custody of, uh, I guess it's five hours, uh, in custody of the police, and they hadn't been given dinner, and they'd been kept in the back of the cruiser for the first two or two and a half hours. And there's so many fascinating um, aspects of this to me, including one that we, uh, we keep arresting moms who let their kids wait in the car for five minutes when they go and pick up the ibuprofen at, or right. the pizza. And we say, oh, a child should never be in a car that's stopped for any amount of time. And here they were in a car for two and a half hours. But anyway, um, <laughs> assuming that we're not going to arrest the, the, uh, the cops for gross negligence, um, why did they not, you know, even a prisoner is allowed one phone call. These kids could not be in touch with their parents the, that entire chunk of time. And, of course, there was no urgency getting in touch with the parents on, on, on the part of um, the adults. And, and, and Lenore, let me interrupt you there, because to me that is the shining horror at the center of this. The reason why it's a bigger story than just, you know, one group of dopey government people who clearly have a, a Jones on for the yeah. mighty Métis family. I mean, Métis, they obviously, they're yeah, just right. painting them up. Is this idea, yeah, we got your kids, we've snatched <laughs> your kids, we've right. taken your kids, and we're just not going to tell you. You are so beneath us as a mere parent, a mere citizen. You, mm -hmm. why do we care? So what if the mom's at home crying and worrying, wondering, she's just the mom. We're the government, and we're going to handle this our way. We care more. Yeah, and of course they didn't let the kids talk to the parents either. I mean, somebody was pointing out on my blog this morning, remember that case a couple months ago? It was just appalling. I think it was somewhere in the Midwest where the the, the mom and grandmother and uncle arranged to have a six-year-old arrested, or, or no, snatched, sorry, I'm getting my story confused, snatched by a quote-unquote stranger who blindfolded him and took him to the basement and made him think that he would never see his family again in order to teach the kid to not uh, trust talking to strangers, to, in order to teach him stranger danger. And, of course, this is outlandishly appalling. Um, and, and what are the cops doing except the exact same thing? Well, you have to be afraid of strangers. You're not afraid of strangers yet. We're going to snatch you up from the park and, you know, put you in the hole, basically, <laughs> and not let you be in touch with your parents ever again. The, the younger kid in this case is six and a half years old. And mm -hmm. when I was writing Danielle, the mom, yesterday, I was like, this must feel like, you know, like, like, how do you think Rosa Parks' mom felt? <laughs> you know, I mean, Rosa Parks was doing something that we all agree was necessary and was against the law, which was saying, I deserve to sit at the front of the bus. And these kids were doing something that I think we all agree is um, 
should be legal and yet was not yesterday, which was playing at the park unsupervised, two children ages 10 and 6. And, and Danielle wrote back that, you know, Rosa Parks was not six and a half years old. And so I, I feel terrible for her because we keep trying to figure out ways to get other people to join the free-range movement. It's only fair that our kids deserve some time outside that we, the parents who love them the most, can figure out if this makes sense for our kids in our neighborhood the way our parents did, um, the way parents in the rest of the world do without getting arrested. And yet, you know, the, the consequences are, are visited not just upon us, but upon our kids. And that's it's terrifying. That's why, you know, that's why I... I well, let me interrupt you. I want to get another question before we uh, oh, okay. run out of time, which is I've talked to parents, uh, including uh, some uh, the, one of the other hosts here at the station, uh, asking the question, what would your reaction be if, you know, the cops just came and snatched your children and kept them for hours and never told you? Wouldn't you be outraged? Wouldn't you want the DSS officials and cops punished? And their answer was, no, I, I'm glad they did it because I would never let my child go to the park in the first place. And, they, and I'm thinking, so you can't identify with these parents. And their answer, Lenore, is no. Yeah. The parents uh-huh. are so in the wrong that whatever torture befalls the kids and the parents, and the it's parents. all it's on worth- the parents. Uh, what, what, what would you say yeah. to the people making that well, case? First of all, I totally respect their right not to send their kids out if they don't feel their children are ready or if they feel that their neighborhood has, you know, a lot of drugs or drive-by shootings or something that they don't want their children to encounter. That is certainly their right. Um, On the flip side, it's my right to say, look, this is the way I was raised. Um, Back when I was, when my mom was sending me outside, the crime rate was higher, and it was um, not just higher because of um, because we weren't helicopter parenting our children. The crime rate was higher against adults. There were more muggings, assaults, rapes, and murders back when we were growing up. Um, So if I say, look, my parents were right to send me outside, and I want to give my kids that same childhood of uh, fresh air, of independence, of um, really becoming self-reliant and self-confident, and I think uh, problem-solving and all the stuff I want my kids to be, that's up to me. Mm-hmm. And if the, if, the, if the cops are watching out for my kids, I do think that's great. But all they have to do is watch out. They don't have to take them from the park. They don't have to keep them from me. They can pass by the park. Somebody calls up and says there's two children playing at the park. Okay, cops go over. Hey, kids, you fine? Yes, we're fine. Do you know, do your parents know you're here? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Can we call them and make sure? Sure, give them a call. I mean, I like the idea of, parent, of, right. of um, everybody looking out for children when they see them outside. But there's no reason to snatch them up and and throw them in the equivalent of jail. One last question for you. I see a connection between the uh, kind of the way that people who are people of faith want to run their businesses. And you don't have to agree with their view of gay marriage or whatever. They've got... You know, a religious tradition that's been around for thousands of years. They just want to maintain it. No, we're going to shut you down. How dare you not run your pizza joint the way I would run it? I see a connection between the fact we have so many incidents where civilians are harmed and killed by police because the civilians often make dumb decisions. I'm going to run from the cops. Oh, no, you're not. Bam, 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 bam. I see this all part, Lenore, of this kind of the growing notion that you simply don't have the right in America anymore to make decisions other people don't like, that your standing as an individual citizen continues to shrink. And whether it's the official state or whether it's your neighbor or a combination of the two, we're going to make you conform, period. Do you think I'm wrong? Am I overgeneralizing or do you see a common thread here, too? Um, I feel like neighbors have always tried to influence their other neighbors, even if it's like on the size of the hedge or, you know, what to put in your front lawn. I mean, but but the the state having power over those decisions is another thing. And that's why today's post on my blog 
which again, free-range kids, um, reiterates uh, an actual Bill of Rights. It's one sentence that I would like um, cities, towns, states, and eventually the country to pass, which says children have the right to some unsupervised time and parents have the right to give it to them without getting arrested. Doesn't mean you have to give this to your children, but if you do give it to your children because you remember it fondly, right. you think it makes sense, it's something that you believe in, that's up to you. That is not up to anybody else to question. For Lenore keep up the great work, and everyone should visit freerangekids.com right away. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Michael. Talk to you soon. 844-404-1067. So how about it? Did the police do the right thing by grabbing these kids and keeping them away from the parents? Are the parents rightfully upset that the kids are gone for hours and they didn't know where they were? Were the parents asking for it? 844-404-1067. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at Noon on News Radio 1067. A suburban Washington couple in a battle over how they raise their children has signed a promise to not leave those children unattended. Sasha and Daniel Maytive had to sign an order to get their children back. Police picked up the children ages 10 and 6. They were alone in a park yesterday. Child welfare officials have been investigating their parents since a similar incident last winter. The Maytives say they're free-range parents who let their children travel the neighborhood unescorted to encourage independence. It's 1020. Oh, yeah. Michael Gray, I'm going to share with you the details of how that uh, absconding of the kids actually occurred. And you can answer the question for me at 844-404-1067. What's the difference between the police and DSS in this case and kidnappers? If you can tell me the difference, I'd love to hear from you. First, though, a reminder that all season long when the Braves score five or more runs, you score at Express Oil Change and Service Center with dollars off their full-service oil change. Saturday night, the Braves scored five runs, so it's $5 off your oil change today at Express Oil Change and Service Center. So take advantage of the $5 off and uh, by going to Express Oil uh, Change and Service Center today, 844-404-1067. So the 10-year-old brother and his 6-year-old sister walk yet again down the public sidewalks in the daytime down to the park that's less than a mile from their house. That's four city blocks, if you use large blocks, or it's 16 you know, sub blocks we're going to talk about, but it's it's a, a mile. Think about where you walked when you were a kid and where you biked when you were a kid. They're playing on their way back. Police officer pulls up. Two kids, once again, walking in broad daylight down the sidewalk. Where are you going? We're headed home. Hey, I'll give you a ride home. And they never make it home. Why? Because the cops keep them for three hours in their car. Don't call the parents. They know, hey, hi, my parents are the Métis. My mom's number is for this. My dad's number is that. They never call. The children aren't allowed to call. The kids are trapped while DSS decides what to do. The mom is expecting them back at 6. They don't show up. She's a little nervous. They show up at 6.30. They don't. Then they at 8, they still aren't there. They finally hear from the uh, Child Protective Services in the middle of the night, finally, did they get a call and say, hey, the police have your children. They are at the kids' crisis center. And you can have them if you will agree that you will stop parenting your children the way you parent them. The only way you're getting your children back from the government is if you agree to the government's rule that 
Your 10-year-old cannot be unattended by you or an adult, period. So tell me how this is different from kidnappers. Kidnappers take your kids, right? They don't tell you they have them. They don't tell you where they are, right? They then make a demand, ransom, right? And then you have to pay the ransom to get your own children back. How is this different from kidnapping? 844-404-1067. And why in the world would we as parents possibly put up with this or put up with our fellow parents being treated this way? Teresa, you're on with Michael Graham. Thanks for the call. Yes. Well, why we have to do what we do, because I am a DHS worker, Mm -hmm. and when you don't protect your children, then you're asking the government to protect your children. You're asking the government to protect your children because you're not being a parent to protect your child. I don't understand. What did they do to not protect their children? I don't understand. um, When you just let a 6-year-old and a Mm 10-year-old just roam the park or roam the community you're saying, oh, it's okay for you to do whatever you want to do with my child. You're not being the parent because you're not watching I, the children. I understand that you want to give them responsibility and, and teach them mm-hmm. independence, but you can teach them any other way than to just let them run the community. You have all kinds of predators that's out there. Uh, well, I don't understand. What do you mean you have all kinds of predators? Are you saying that there's a significant rise in the number of children being snatched by strangers? Of course it is. Uh, No, actually, Teresa, you're completely 100% factually incorrect. The incident of of stranger kidnapping is on the decline and has been on the decline steadily for 30 years. Children today are safer than they were when you were a child. Did your mom let you play in the yard with your friends? Right in my yard along with her being out there, oh. or my father, okay. but we couldn't so, just roam our community. So she didn't let you ride your bike down to your friend's house on the next block or oh, down no. there? No, 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 no. Mm. That's mm-hmm. interesting. You have all, when I say you have predators out mm-hmm. there, you know, because you may not hear it on the news or read the newspaper, uh, but it happens every day. No, we Teresa, it doesn't happen every, every day. Yes. What happens every day yes. is family members snatch each other's children. But it doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every three days in a country of 310 million people. And Teresa is the scary and wonderful example, and thank you for the call at 844-404-1067, of what's happening. Teresa's a social worker professional, she claims. And she has no idea what's going on out there. And she thinks it's completely unreasonable for you to let your children play outside unless you are watching them. How many of you as kids at 844-404-1067 were told by your parents, you can't go down to Billy's house. I have to walk you to Billy's house. You and Billy can't play in the park. You guys can't play. You can't have a game of, of uh, you can go play baseball in the empty lot or at the local park or whatever. You can't do that. You have, how many of you were told that? I wasn't. We left the house Saturday morning. Well, if my dad wasn't making me do yard work as his indentured servant, we would hit the door as early as possible. Head down, we had this place called the Tennis Court because of this cheesy uh, housing development where I built the original plan. They were going to put a tennis court in a certain spot. They never even started it. It was just a big sand pit that they left behind. And we would play in the sand pit all day long. We would go to some friend's house, and the mom would give us some Coca-Cola and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. 
And there was never, oh, my God, but did you have a parent? Of course we didn't have a parent. We would have thought it was creepy. If Joey had come over or Susie had come over, well, if, if my buddy Bill Wetzel had told me, I can't come to your house, Graham, because I got to have my parents walk with me, I'd say, what are you talking about? That parent, your parent, my parent, would be in jail today. You would be snatched off the street, held in secret by the state, held in secret by the police until your parents signed a document giving up their parental rights. Is that reasonable to you? 844-404-1067. And to me, the bigger question, why do we put up with it? Why? You tell me. I'm Michael Graham. It's 1035. I am Michael Graham. Thank you so much for being part of the conversation, for letting me hang out with you. In fact, I'm going to be giving away tickets coming up to uh, Braves game. We're going to be broadcasting live from the TED this Wednesday, 9 to noon. And then there's a, a, a business fan special scheduled for that day. So assuming the weather cooperates, knock, 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 knock. We'll be there to watch the game as well. So please make plans now to join me at the TED at the Chop House from 9 to noon and then hang and watch the uh, Braves uh, beat the Marlins yet again. 844-404-1067. This is the mom of the two children who were snatched from the streets in Maryland by the police, detained by the police and DSS, and the parents were never called until hours later. They're exhausted. It's 1039. They would have been, if they, if they had let our kids go home, they would have been in bed two hours ago. But you heard, Teresa, the police couldn't let them go home because they were walking on a sidewalk by themselves. In the middle of the daylight. Oh, my God. And as Teresa said, if you let your children play without your attendance, you know, out in your yard while you're in the kitchen or out in your neighbor's yard while you're in the kitchen or at the local park or in the cul-de-sac while you're in the kitchen, you deserve to have your children taken away because you've told the community they can do anything you want to to your kids. Wow. So you, mom and dad, deserve it. And that's what I've been asking people is how would you feel? If you were in a total panic, wondering where your 10- and 6-year-old were, and they were supposed to be home at 6, and it's 10 o'clock at night, and no one has even told you where they are, what would you want to happen to the police officers and the government bureaucrats who did that to your kids? And I would expect the answer to be, because I'll take, can I give you mine, please? Can I go first? Please, please. I would have to be physically restrained from those government hacks. I would want to physically, are you freaking kidding me? You terrified me, made me think my kids were kidnapped? What the hell's wrong with you? You work for us. That would be my reaction. I'm told that's the wrong reaction. The wrong reaction would be, well, Michael, I would never let my children walk by themselves ever. So it would never happen. 844-404-1067 is the phone number. Leah is on News Radio 1067. Thank you so much for the call, Leah. Hi, Michael. Hi. Okay. I, I must have missed something because... At what point did they call the police saying that their kids that were expected home at 6.30 weren't home yet? Not until later in the night. I don't know exactly when, but sometime. They they managed to finally get the kids back about 10.30 that night. Right. So, um, they, uh, well, yeah, I find fault with the parents because as soon as my children were not home, now mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they didn't want to call because they didn't want to say like a, right. I told you so type of thing, but... I would have been on the phone with the authorities and had the whole neighborhood alerted if my kids didn't come home. Mm. Now, as far as letting them out, you keep saying when you were younger. I'm mm. not sure where you grew up at. South Carolina. <laughs> and and but South Carolina where? I mean, your your area may determine 
what your parents would allow you to do. I used to tell my mother I wished I had grown up when my older brothers and sisters did because they used to get to stay outside as long as they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I was the one who had to come home, not come home, come upstairs as soon as the lights came on. Okay. Maybe we don't hear as much about stranger kidnappings now because people are keeping more of an eye on their kids. Oh, maybe, or maybe it's because crime has been going down steadily for 30 years now on both adults and children. And it's yeah, just a we, lot safer America. We still get so many times where I'm getting that alert from the police department that somebody rolled up and, and tried to get a kid in the car. Mm-hmm. Maybe didn't get it. Kids are more right. wise nowadays. They're running, they're yelling, they're doing things. Right. But someone's always flashing a kid or doing something to a kid. Just because you don't hear about an abduction doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're still not victims. Well, and you're not a victim if you're not abducted. To- That's why I have to discreetly. If nothing actually happens to you, then you are, in fact, not a victim. But stranger, um, there, there are about 100 stranger abductions a year in America out of 320 million people. So the odds of your kid getting hit by lightning about the same, a little actually a little higher than the odds that your kid will be snatched. But, hey, maybe you don't ever let your kids play outside either because you never know when there might be lightning. Leah, you can raise your kids however you want. That's absolutely great. And you can keep your kids in the house and not let them out in the yard unless you That's absolutely great. My question is, why were the police snatching these children? And why were they not calling the parents as soon as they took the kids? How can you take someone's kids and not call the parents this was the government telling the parents you we just want to make you suffer we're gonna punish you how dare you raise your kids in a way that we don't like this was purely about screwing the parents over and now they've done it they forced the parents to give up some of their parental rights in order to get their kids back this was a pure hostage kidnapping situation so leah i apologize you're absolutely right there are more snatching than we know about we just had one by the local police and the local state agency. Jeff, you're on with Michael Graham. What's up, Michael Graham? Take it away, sir. Um, um look, man, I'm the oldest, um, oldest of four, mm-hmm. and shoot, my mom used to always let us go ahead and just go outside because you can't control what happens outside. You know, these people they're calling and saying that people get snatched up. You can let your child walk from the bus stop back home something happened to them mm-hmm. you give them a sense of independence like you know like it's the real world when they leave from their parents house so you have to teach that to them as a child so they you know they can come right. up and actually be better adults look i agree with you completely you know, we've been you know talking for so long about these spoiled brat kids who can't solve any problems they show up at job interviews with their parents there no joke well why because they've never ever learned any responsibility at all and the worst part is we're doing it out of a totally bogus sense of terror. Once again, terror. Once again, the social worker who called in earlier was completely factually wrong. Everyone who tells you, uh, I heard someone earlier today say, well, today's not the same as it was when we were kids. You're absolutely right. It's far safer, far, far more safe. And yet cops are snatching children, hiding them from their own parents. And you're defending the child. I want to be perfectly clear here. I'm with you Mom and dad, mom and dad, I'm on your side. Even when you raise kids in a way that I wouldn't raise them, I've got your back. They're your kids. You love them more than anyone will. Robert, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Hey, thank you, sir. Go right ahead. Um, 
So uh, there was a comment made earlier about, well, I didn't live in an area where you could be outside after dark. Let me tell you this. I live in Augusta, Georgia. I think every other day I hear about a shooting or some kind of murder or some kind of activity that's going on. It's not. Maybe I'm blowing it up because I'm angry. Right. But when I was a child, we lived in a small trailer park off of a major highway. And we played outside at night with our friends Mm. to the point where our parents had to drag us back in the house at the end of the day. Right. And I have grown up. I I think I've I've been doing, you know, riding around neighborhoods and going to parks and doing things of that nature since I was eight. And I am now an educated, independent individual. Uh, I credit it to the excellent parenting of of my mother and father. And I think if they had coddled me and uh, treated me like um, a prisoner, I, and I don't mean to say that parents who watch over their children are, are treating them like inmates, but when you don't give someone the freedom to make choices based on the information you give them, oh, son, daughter, right? you know, you don't talk to strangers. Make sure that you're back at this time. Make sure that you're doing these things. You now live in an age where technology is prevalent. Technology is everywhere. I can give my child a $15 phone with 100 right. minutes on it and say, hey, if I call you, you pick this phone up. You're absolutely hey. right. we got to let you go because we got to get into traffic. But I just want to clarify one fact because, because this was 5.30 in the afternoon. It was sunset. They had two, three hours of daylight. These kids were at the park during the day after school, which is a great place for kids to be after school, at the park. And the police in broad daylight snatched these kids and hid them from their parents. And now I have to listen to you tell me the parents deserved it. Let the cops do whatever they want to to them. That's what, what right do you have to do something that I, I, I uh. so parental rights out the window, the rights of religious minorities out the window, the rights of citizens out the window. Why don't we just go ahead and call the old Soviet Union, get them to move the gulag right in here, and let's all stand in the bread lines together and wait for uh, der Fuhrer Hillary to tell us what we will and will not be allowed to have for lunch. Is that the freaking country you want? I don't. I believe in freedom. I am Michael Graham. Michael Graham now. And the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. It's 1051. I am Michael Graham. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. In fact, I've got a pair of tickets to see your Atlanta Braves. They take on the Miami Marlins this Wednesday. Plus, come see me at the Chop House as I broadcast live. If you come by and introduce yourself, you'll get free drinks while supplies last. Uh, that's free, non alcoholic, alas, drinks. Uh, so for those tickets, uh, just call right now, 844-404-1067. Answer a very simple question for any Atlanta Braves fan. The Atlanta Braves outfielder who won back-to-back NL MVP awards in 1982 and 1983. Back-to-back National League Most Valuable Player awards, 82-83. Call 844-404-1067 and get those tickets. I Sometimes when stuff, particularly when it's the people that are supposed to serve us, when they do bad stuff, it's... I tend to focus on ah, the negative. Stop being so stupid. As the case, in my opinion, the cops and the state was in the case of these kids. There's a flip side of this, which is there are good guys out there. And the good guys are you, the moms and dads. Mom and dad, I bet some of you right now do things as parents that other parents hate. Maybe you're the vegan mom and dad who don't let your kids eat any meat and you get lectures from your friends. They're not getting enough protein for their brain. Which, by the way, I happen to agree. But hey, that's... You're the mom and dad. 
Maybe you're a non-vaxxer mom and dad. You know I mock you regularly here on the show. But as I've said, that is your decision. We'll set the public school issue aside. I don't want to get sidetracked. But my point is, I, I believe the vast majority of the time, if I have to trust either A, a government bureaucrat, or B, mom and dad, that our kids are going to do far, far better when we believe in mom and dad. That doesn't mean there are bad moms and dads, but the, the odds, dopey government hack, or the mom and dad who love their kids, I'm with you, the mom and dad. And Tiffany, one of our listeners, emailed me something profound, Michael at MichaelGraham.com. She says, Michael, these people are defending the government. Need to remember, you can cheer the government on when they force parents to do stuff that you agree with. What do you do the day they show up to force you do something you that you don't agree with? In other words, all you parents who think it's wrong to let your kids play unless you are there watching them, and you have no problem with the police harassing and snatching these kids and harassing the parents, well, what is what are you going to do when then the story is, uh, we don't think it's right for you to take your kids to churches that preach same-sex marriage is wrong because it's wrong for you to teach your kids homophobia and hate. And so we've decided you can't take your children to that church anymore. What are you going to say then? What are you going to say when a majority of your neighbors think it's wrong to say that homosexuality is a sin? What are you going to do then when you can't take your kids there? What are you going to do? But, Michael, that's different. Why? Well, because I disagree with that. See, once... Once you abandon the parents, you're screwed. And that's what's happened here. These the, the treatment of these parents is absolutely horrific and absolutely unacceptable. Why didn't they call you? No idea. I didn't ask them that. Will you let your kids walk unattended in your neighborhood again, play in the park unattended? They made a sign of safety blend that says that we will not leave them unattended at all until they will follow up. Um, and I'm not going to risk my kids being snatched again like this by CPS. They were snatched. Why wouldn't you call the parents? Why would you treat the parents this way? You know why? The dad grew up in the former Soviet Union, and he told his wife, I know exactly what's going on. I've seen this before, and that's what it is. You will obey, or you will be punished. You will parent the way we say, or you will be punished. You will run your florist, the way we say, or you will be punished. You will not misbehave in front of armed government authorities, or you will be punished and killed. And even what? Even if you don't misbehave, we may decide you just need killing anyway. Uh, Tom, you're on with Michael Graham. Thanks for the call. Hey, I grew up uh, in a lawn dart generation where we <laughs> threw lawn darts. Um, that aside, I, I was in uh, Central Park this weekend and watched... Little kids playing on a rock couldn't have been more than six foot tall. Mm-hmm. The little uh, three foot girl playing on there, scraping her knees. She had old tights on. Right. Dad was saying, you know, make sure you get your feet under you. Okay. So she'd stumble a little bit more. There's a late, little eight year old boy on the same rock. Mom snatched him off the rock, drug him up the path. <laughs> I could hear her saying, <laughs> well, I'm afraid you're going to get hurt. Right. And that's all he learned from that is, it, you know, you're going to get hurt. Yep. And don't take risks. And uh, this little girl was just perfectly content falling and stumbling and right. scraping her knee, and everything was good with her. But, Can I go ahead no. and hire her for the future job and not hire the 8-year-old? Can we go ahead and do that now? 
yeah, and put her in charge of the police that uh, are supposed to look after us. That's a great idea, Tom. Thanks for the call. By the way, congratulations to Philip Malcolm. He won the Braves tickets. He'll be hanging out with me this Wednesday as we broadcast live from the TED 9 to noon. Then hang out for the business fans special. So much more talk coming up, including an update on uh, Hillary Clinton's big announcement with Jay Cost, one of the smartest observers of American politics. And he's going to break down the math for you because... My slogan when it comes to politics is you can't beat math. Also, more of your comments on the police decision to snatch this kid, uh, these kids. Did they do the right thing? And are you one of the Georgia parents who's wondering if you're going to be able to afford tuition for your kids to go to college? I've got the natural truth about why that college tuition is so high, and it's not what you think. In fact, all the politicians we know are lining up to make it worse. I'll explain. I am Michael Graham. A suburban Washington couple in a battle over how they raise their children has signed a promise to not leave those children unattended. In Tulsa, a man was shot and killed by a reserve deputy who allegedly confused his gun for his taser. In Illinois, a motorist was trying to flee a traffic stop and was shot through the windshield. And in California, local news crews capturing deputies repeatedly punching and kicking the suspect. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. Citizens, you will elect me. I will be your leader. Good morning, it's 11.06 at News Radio 106.7. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, and star of the show. So glad to be here uh, having the best conversation thanks to you at 844-404-1067. This is Atlanta's largest diner table. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to tell you what I think and then hear from you, and then we can discuss it, and I can get smarter, and I hope we'll have a good time along uh, the way. Uh, and I don't know how you cannot have fun when Mrs. Bill Clinton unleashes her uh, campaign and the premise of her campaign from the beginning is everyday people. That is absolutely perfect. Here is uh, Hillary right there. Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. So we've been doing the hashtag WeAreHillary all morning long. In fact, we did it over the weekend because that's what Hillary supporters sent it out. We are Hillary. We all understand Hillary. How many people haven't been exactly where Mrs. Bill Clinton has been? You know, a repeat cheating husband who's humiliated you repeatedly on national television, who's a person who's been caught lying again and again about quasi-illegal behavior, a uh, person who's uh, had subpoena documents that suddenly mysteriously reappeared in her bedroom, a person who's had um, uh, 20 years of scandal surrounding them, a person who has a $2 billion family um, uh, uh, foundation that mysteriously changes the policies of the government when they get in more money. Well, I don't know about you, but when I uh, uh, hear about uh, Hillary uh, uh, when I when I hear about Hillary, I think of everyday people. Uh, everyday people.
We came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. Some experts estimate that she could be raking in nearly $250,000 per speech. We struggled to, you know, piece together the resources for mortgages for houses. The Clinton's assets were worth about $5.2 million to $25.5 million. We had to pay off all our debts, which was, you know, you had to make double the money because of, obviously, taxes. As Secretary of State, Ms. Clinton earned a salary of $186,600 a year. But that's just a drop in the bucket compared to the $14 million advance she was paid for her latest book, Hard Choices. Absolutely every day. I just, this is, of all the reasons, this would be like Mitt Romney running for president. I know what you mean. There I was. You know, I used to struggle like you did. I remember one year I had to work all summer to get a new polo pony. I mean, ugh, why are you doing this to us? Why? Why are you giving us this absolute crap? If you, you have no reason to remember, but we came out of the White House not only dead broke, but dead in broke. debt. Uh, we had no money when we got there, and we struggled to, you know, piece together the resources for <sighs> mortgages, for houses, for Chelsea's education. You know, it was not easy. It was not easy with those three houses. What were we going to do getting those mortgages on those three houses? We had to pay off all our debts. Oh, which you poor was, dear. You know, you had to make double the money because of, obviously, taxes and <sighs> then pay off the debts and get us houses and take care of family members. But I thought making speeches for money was a much better thing than getting connected with any one group or company, as so many people who leave public life do. She also said that unlike the truly well-off, Bill and I had to pay our taxes. Unlike the truly well-off, when she said that, the uh, Clinton family fortune was estimated at $100 million. The foundation now has two has raised a total of two billion dollars but 100 million dollars at the time and she said we're not the truly well off they don't voters don't see me hillary clinton as part of the problem because we pay ordinary income tax unlike a lot of the people who are truly well off i have another question how did bill and hillary become the not quite truly well off how they become i know it's you know what you know they what bill and hillary should do they should do ads for the Georgia lottery. Have you seen the Georgia lottery ads? They go, I'm sorry, honey, I only won $15 million. $15 million, but we need a new refrigerator. We'll have to cancel the cable. Have you seen those ads? Great ads from Georgia lottery. Bill and Hillary should do, oh, sorry, Hill, we're only worth $100 million. $100 million? How am I going to get my hair done? <sighs> How did they become? The hundred millionaires. How did they become the low rent, poor country mice billionaires? How did they do that? Remember, Bill was the governor of Arkansas, paid like minimum wage. He grew up in a trailer park. They, they got to Washington without millions of dollars, and they somehow translated that into two billion dollars collected by the clinton foundation how was it just hard work was it just well I'll put my nose to the grindstone or as hillary said when they asked her how did you suddenly have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the stock market i read the wall street journal <laughs> you started with lunch money and you ended up with hundreds of thousands of dollars 
I think we all know. And that goes back to my point that this is the Hillary Clinton character. The idea that a video can change what you know about her is sheer nonsense. We're going to ask Jay Cost, a numbers cruncher extraordinaire for the Weekly Standard, how Hillary Clinton is viewed and what her prospects are for president. That's coming up next. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. It's 1119. I am Michael Graham. Remember, as long as the Braves score more runs, you win at Express Oil Change. Five or more runs means savings. They won five to three Saturday. You're getting $5 off a full service oil change today only at Express Oil Change and Service Centers because when the Braves score, you win all season long. Five or more runs from our friends at Express Oil. So when I think about Hillary Rodham Clinton running for president, I want to know what the real numbers are. Not emotion, not mean-spirited cheap shots about an out-of-touch elitist grandmother, but the actual math. I think of the Weekly Standard's top numbers cruncher, Jay Cost. Jay, so glad to have you. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. So I have two questions that may seem polar opposite, and yet I'm thinking them simultaneously. One is, is there any possible way Hillary Clinton can win? And is there any possible way Hillary Clinton can lose? Because I'm absolutely confident that she can, A, cannot possibly win, and B, cannot be stopped. I'm a little schizophrenic today, Jay. Yeah, well, you know, I think she has that effect on people. Um, You know, look, I think that when you look at her and vis-a-vis the Democratic nomination, I think she's probably going to win. And when I say probably, we're talking like 95% or higher. Sure. Um, You know, general election's a different story. You know, um, I think that... Well, let me, let, me, let me phrase the, the, the question this way. And by the way, we're talking to Jay Koss, whose great new book is called A Republic No More, uh, Big Government and the Rise of America's Political, American Political Corruption. It's a great, great book. But when, I, when you say political corruption, you think of Hillary. My question is, is she perceived that way by average voters, or is that just what voters who follow politics understand about the Clintons? I'm not sure average voters would say that she's corrupt. I think that, for instance, the polls on the email thing suggest that a very large majority thinks she did something she shouldn't have done. Whether or not she actually broke the law or something to that effect is a different matter. And I, and I think there is a disconnect there between people who pay a lot of attention and people who only pay a little bit of attention. I think that when we look at the general election, um, you know, overwhelming majority of variation from cycle to cycle in general elections democrats win the republicans lose it's a tie whatever three factors war recession scandal really that's that's what moves things and so if we get into the general election and there's a recession or there's some war or there's some scandal look it does probably doesn't matter what she's going to do she's probably going to lose um, if we don't have any of those conditions hold, um, then we'll probably have a pretty close race because the country is generally divided pretty evenly between the two sides. And I think then it'll matter a great deal whom, whom the Republicans nominate. I think that Hillary Clinton is a candidate that you can make uh, con- you can contrast with, and you can make contrasts that look favorable for Republicans and conservatives, but you've got to pick the right nominee. Yeah, and uh, the short list of my not-right nominees is Jeb Bush for that reason. And for this reason, the arguments are made by some smart people, Jay, that in recent history, the presidential elections have gone exclusively to the candidate of change when there isn't an incumbent in office. 
So Reagan was, and, and obviously Carter was even an incumbent, but you know Reagan was a change guy, um, and uh, uh, Clinton was a change guy, and W was a change guy, and Obama was a change guy. The one exception is H.W. Bush, and of course Reagan was exceptionally popular as an incumbent. Uh, Hillary's not going to have that uh, advantage. Isn't this election over before it starts because the American people are so clearly not interested in sticking with what they've got? Unfortunately, no. Um, you know, uh, that's just the sad the sad state of affairs is that, no, it's not over. And, and look, it's not over because the country doesn't like the Republican Party either. I mean, that's really one of the main challenges the Republicans have. Um, their numbers are not very good. And it's not, you know, so it's not enough for the country to say, okay, well, we don't like Obama and we don't like Hillary. We, you can't beat something with nothing in, in elections. You have to offer something. And I think the Republicans, if they don't get the advantage of a war, or the political advantage, mind you, not an actual advantage, they calamitous for the country, the political advantage of a war, a recession, or a scandal, look, I think the Republicans have to really finally start thinking outside the box here. Uh, you know, I think they nominated generally over the last 50 years, they've nominated the same type of candidate. Ronald Reagan is really the most notable exception, I think. Uh, and I just don't think that kind of candidate's going to work against the, against the Clintons, against, against her money and against her ability to draw on voters' war memories from the 1990s. Now, maybe it would work. Hillary is not a good candidate. She's going to trim her sails too much. She's going to come across as, you know, calculating and cold, and she's not going to offer her much of a vision because, quite frankly, I don't think she has one. Uh, but, look, I think that the Republicans need to look at this as not, oh, she's going to lose. Uh, I think they need to look at this as, oh, we have an opportunity here. We have to seize it. Well, um, there are a lot of people listening to you who are just going, I can't believe that we're going to go back, you know, in, in, a, in a country like America where it's always been forward looking, that we're going to go back to this tired old brand and reelect uh, Clinton. What are the poll numbers about Americans in general or Democrats versus Republicans, et cetera, that you would urge us all to keep in mind, Jay Cost? Well, look, I think that the thing to keep in mind here is I'm not saying I'm not making any predictions, sure, right? I mean, right right now Hillary Clinton's numbers in the polls are usually in the mid to high 40s. And they're registered voter polls which are a little more favorable to Democrats on average. So Hillary Clinton is far from having closed the deal. Well, let's just make that clear. You know, I think the point, though, is that, you know, look, I think you can make the argument that she's, you know, tired and looking backwards and she's more of the same when the country wants change. But look, she does have assets uh, that she can utilize. You know, she's going to be the first major party female nominee. She's going to have the record from the 1990s, which was the last time America felt like things was, were actually on the right track. She's going to have no competition for her, the nomination, so she can dedicate all of her time and efforts and resources to organizing for the general election. Look, she's got a lot of strengths. Um, you know, she's got a lot of weaknesses, too. So I think that the point is that we just have to, uh, you know, conservatives just have to think about making the most of the weaknesses uh, in dealing with the advantages as best they can. And, and look, historically speaking, these sorts of this is an open seat race, right? The incumbents retiring after two full terms. Usually those favor the party that wasn't in power. Again, you mentioned 1988. That was an exception for that reason as well. Most of the time, a party gets 
two terms, and then it gets the bounce. 1988 was the only real exception, and the economy was exceptionally strong that year. Reagan was exceptionally popular. Uh, it helped George Herbert Walker Bush, who, by the way, and this is another important point on that front, right, is that in third terms, the third time around, the, the candidate always does worse. Than they than their predecessor did the second time around. Mm -hmm. So Gore got a smaller share of the two party vote than Clinton did. Uh, Bush got a smaller share than Reagan did. Right? Nixon in '60 got a smaller share than Eisenhower did. Obama got 51 percent of the vote. Right. Hillary doesn't really have a lot of room for error when you're already down to 51 percent of the vote. Yeah, those are exactly the kind of facts that you share, Jay. Cause I love because I can hold on to them and use them to how to think about how these things are going in the future. Your book is a republic no more. Big Government and the Rise of American Political Corruption. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Hey, my pleasure, Michael. 844-404-1067. Are you Hillary? That's what the campaign says. We'll hear from some voices of the voters uh, in just a moment here on The Michael Graham Show. This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit AtlantaHomesGuru.com forward slash radio.